As soon as, oh, no. No, get to know me and you'll know I'm not worthy of that. Uh, I tell you, as soon as pastor asked me to, uh, to, pray, to preach, um, I immediately knew what God wanted me to preach. And I, God told me I was going to preach on Hannah. And I was excited because, you know, she's kind of a middle child. And, and then God was like, no, that's the wrong Hannah I want you to preach on. So <laughs> we don't always get what we want. Uh, Dustin, if you'll go ahead and start, or whoever's starting the slideshow, I just want to take that up. I know Pastor and Tim have talked about garage sale, but to many of you, this is an imaginary event because you weren't here any other week. You didn't come to the sale, and so these chairs were just like they were last week. And so I wanted to show you um, a little bit of an insight of what we do here. Um, you know, I think we planned this perfectly because uh, this was close to um, this was close to Mother's Day, and so we bought new gifts. For our wives, what an opportunity, men, for us to be like, hey, I just got you something. You could get rid of a lot of stuff here, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It worked out. I bought you something better, and, uh, you know, you could now get rid of some stuff. So this is one of our tables, and, and guys, the, I, this isn't the message to preach on the debate of whether or not we should have a garage sale in a building, but let me just, let me help you real fast. Um, the men that were turning the Lord's house into a, a den of thievery, money changers. They were selling items that you had to have to worship Him. And they were meeting in the courtyard that was for the nations. In other words, God said, I have this tabernacle, I'm in this courtyard is where all people from all nations can come and worship me. And they'd turn that into, if you want to worship this God, you've got to buy a bird. Buy your bird, you need to worship God. They'd turn to worship. And, and so they, Jesus overturned money changers and said, my house should be called a house of prayer. And there's been some that have wagged fingers, even if it's just behind their back. You shouldn't do garage sales in the church building. Can I help you that when the veil was torn, we became the church building. So when Jesus said, I, my house should be called a house of prayer, he's talking about me. And he's talking about you. And so that's why we have a garage sale in a building. Because guys, if this building blows down, this church will meet in Lucy Park next week. This is just a building. This is just a building. Similar to how I'm just a building and you're just a building and my soul one day will be. You kill this body, you ain't killing this soul. Amen? Woo! So garage sales, they require, they require stuff. Lots and lots of stuff. Um, it was so cool. We didn't have any high dollar sales like vehicles or anything big name to sell, but we had a lot of quality stuff. So thank you for getting rid of your good garbage. Uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. And those of you who bought, and I'm not calling your stuff garbage, but to those of you who gave, it was garbage. <laughs> so <laughs> garage sales, they take sacrifice, right? Garage sales, take, they require sacrifice. They, here's some, uh, some blankets and stuff. You, it don't matter. You, whatever speed you want to go, guys. Um, down, down this, you know, the, the comforters and the pillows, this, this was all stacked up over here, and they were like, what are they, $10 for any, any set, any bedding set or even that? Uh, go ahead to the next one that, where it requires sacrifice. This was the kitchen. There's a table that's all kitchen goods. I mean, anything that goes in your kitchen is on that table or under that table. Man, there was pots and bowls and, and cups and, and coffee pots and mixers and you name it, it was there. All right, and all kinds. Next slide. Um, there was, this was the, <laughs> I kind of laugh at this. This was the electronic portion of the garage sale, which I, I laughingly consider, that's the great white hope of any garage sale because there's nothing ever there good, but every man walks to that table like, I'm about to find an iPad. <laughs> but it never happens. It never happens that way. 
Instead, what is brought is TVs like that that Walt Bujak donated. And Faith Refuge Thrift Store said, no, we don't want it. <laughs> they did. Just so you know, and this, ain't against, this is for all of our information, Goodwill on Southwest Parkway will still take the big TVs. Faith Refuge Store has determined nobody wants them. So we had three determined and three David Emery took to the dump. The big TVs, the tube TVs that weigh, weigh as much as you and your spouse combined, nobody wants them. Nobody wants them. So garage sales take sacrifice. They also take forgiveness. Ugh. I heard this mentioned yesterday. Yeah, that's what my husband made me give to the garage sale. <laughs> there were some, some hurt feelings about things that had been donated. One time, we do this set-aside section now, and now it's done with great rigor and top security because one time somebody set something aside they wanted to buy, and somebody else bought it, and we almost split the church. It was so awesome. It was so crazy how people get about stuff that nobody wanted in their closet the day before. But now it's treasure. <laughs> so, hey, guys, garage sale takes forgiveness. It does. It takes forgiveness. Hurt feelings. Got to work through that. Uh, next slide. That was our shoe table. All, all shoes and clothes uh, we marked down to 50 cents, all, each item. Uh, all the, there was a table of T-shirts right there where Kevin and Debbie are sitting all the way from front to back. That was full of kids' clothes and T-shirts. All that was, uh, I believe, quarter. It was a quarter. Um, and then this was our clothes racks. And garage sales... They require letting go. You got, you got to let go of some of that stuff. Uh, man, man, we were talking about, you know, and, and uh, I don't want the answer right now. I'm just throwing this out there, what we were talking about. How, I remember when I was in uh, fourth grade, a lady would come in and she would read Laura Ingalls Wilder books to us. And I love those books. They're so good, really. And uh, I remember Jake, the three-legged bulldog under the, under the wagon. If you've never heard Laura Ingalls Wilder, you need to, need to, it's a good read for you and your kids. But uh, I remember specifically them talking about that all they had was a pair of clothes for Monday through Saturday and a pair of clothes for Sunday and a pair of shoes for all the time if mom and dad were doing pretty good. Otherwise, they didn't have shoes. It wasn't just Arkansas. It was everywhere. All right? And now, and now we get into... Well, uh, let's go. Let me see. I, I can't remember the combination to my fourth storage shed. <laughs> you know, we live places, but we store everything everywhere else. It's a long way from Jake the three-legged bulldog under the wagon. I'm just saying. But anyway, it takes letting go. You got to let go of some of that stuff. Make room for other stuff. So we took your junk, and we're going to bring honor and glory to God with it. I love that Beth Moore promo. The whole splattering mess. And I'll make you a woman after God's heart. Can I tell you that what we did at the garage show yesterday is just a small picture of what God does with us. He takes our junk and brings himself glory. I want you to just, for a minute, because you really don't deserve that. I really don't deserve that. But for a minute, think about just you. And the thought that God is able to do anything amazing with you. And yet he does. We're talking about Hannah this morning. And I know the, the story of Hannah is about a lady who was barren and then bore children. And that's part of it. But I don't want to focus on just that. But if you will turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 
we're going to read here. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 says, Now there was a certain man of Ramah and Zophon, or whatever that says, and Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of one of them was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of the hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Verse 4, And when the time was that Elkanah offered and gave to Peninnah his wife and all her sons and her daughters portions, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple in the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. And she prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou, wilt, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart only, her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said to her, How long will thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from me. And Hannah, in verse 15, answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Verse 18 says, And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to the house of Ramah and Elkanah, knew Hannah's wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about Hannah, had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And I love that story. I love that story. What I love about that is that God used Hannah mightily. <laughs> if you know much about the Old Testament, about the prophet Samuel, you know God used Hannah mightily. I love how that the, uh, the, the things that, that God does, I love Skip has a saying, he's in my discipleship group, and he has this saying about an upside-down God. And that's so true because we have this thought process of one way, and God so many times flips the script and says, no, it's this way. <laughs> you know, he's, 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 his, I, the, Bible, the way I say that in Isaiah is that his ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And, and I love this about um, about this story here, because we have to understand that the, the perfections of God are unchanging, and, and the purposes of God are unchanging. The, the promises of God are unchanging, but the plans of God are unfolding. 
We may not see what is happening before us. It may appear that things are not as they should be, but guys, God's plans are unfolding. And we see that in Hannah's life. God, in His Word, has already showed us multiple women that were barren that He used to bear children. He used Hannah mightily in her life, even with her junk. We all have junk, don't we? We all have stuff going on in our life that it's heavy. It's, it's hard to deal with. That's what we read this story. We see Hannah struggling with this. I mean, look at who she was, guys. Hannah was barren. We read it in verse 2 and in verse 5, it says, And he had two wives. The names of one was Hannah and the name of the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. As I studied this and thought about this, I can't imagine the pain in Hannah's heart when her husband got another wife so that he could bear children. God's Word doesn't promote polygamy, but it was a, it was a thing in this culture, and it happened. And, and can you imagine that pain of, you, you can't, so I need to get another. God, she was barren. God, not only was Hannah barren and understood the pain of, of unfulfilled expectation in that area in her life, but God, she was, she was belittled because she was. Listen to verse 6. It says, And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Not only could Peninnah bear children, but Peninnah rubbed it in her face. If you've ever had a brother or a sister, you understand this concept. <laughs> I grew up with Joel. Um, <laughs> hey. He who surrenders to preach gets to talk the most in front of the biggest audience. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, you, you want to see a, a testimony of the grace of God? You get in heaven when Joel or I is going through the judgment seat of Christ, and you see the replay of who we were as children to each other and who God now uses us to serve him together. <laughs> it's all him. We hated each other. I'm not kidding. You can laugh. It's funny. Ha ha. We did. <laughs> he was better at me and everything. We played basketball. I was this height when I was 12. But Joel was that height when he was 15. <laughs> when I was 12. I don't even remember how many, how many times I had the basketball in my hand that I shot and he did not even let it get away from my hand before he blocked it. Because he was as older brothers do, teaching me to play. <laughs> he was smarter than me. He is smart. say, well, it's like he's still <laughs> He is smarter than me. I went through school, man, and I, everything I got, I, I fought, scratched, clawed, studied. Joel was just like, man, it's test day. And he passed him. I, I usually passed him. <laughs> Guys, Hannah was barren, unfulfilling to her husband in that she could not bring him a son. She could not further his name. And he got another wife because of that. And then that wife rubbed it in her face. Guys, Hannah was belittled. Hannah was barren. Hannah, Hannah was bitter. 
Look at verse 10. She goes into the, the porch of the temple there right where Eli is sitting. And the Bible says, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Guys, when we're belittled, the enemy, <laughs> oh, the enemy tells us so many lies. He tells us so many lies. And because we can't see the plan unfolding in our life. You realize when we pray, we don't know what's going on around the corner. But do you understand to our God, there's not even a corner? He knows what lies ahead of us. He knows what He's doing in us. He knows what He's doing through us. He, knows, he knew what He was doing in Hannah. But guys, where was Hannah when she was belittled? Where does the Bible tell us that she was going when she was belittled? This is important that you know this. This is why Sundays are so hard. Because Hannah was going to Shiloh with her husband and she was headed for worship. And that's when her enemy attacked her the worst. Why do you come on Sunday? Because you have to have this, just like I do. I have to be surrounded by my brothers and sisters in Christ. I have to lift up my voice in praise with you together to our King who alone is worthy. I have to have you love on me. I have to be able to love on you because the enemy attacks me the worst when I come here. Why? Because he knows what this means to the life of a believer. It won't hurt if I skip church this once. It will kill you in your walk with Christ if you continue that in your life. This ain't no 1950s Southern Baptist beat the pulpit. You better be in church every service of your life. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of truth in that. He said in, in Hebrews that we should consider one another to provoke and to love and to good, under, to good works and forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is, but all the more as you see the day approaching. Why do we have to meet together? Why? Why did he give us the church? Because the biggest liar enemy tells us is you are alone in this. And this is the answer. You're not alone. Hannah was not alone. She was barren. She was belittled by her enemy. And she was bitter because of it. But you are not alone. God used Hannah. Even with all her junk. Even with all her junk. What was, what was his tool that he used in her life? He used the power of prayer. I, I tell you, I've been on a journey with the Lord. I've been, um, God has brought prayer into my study circle and into my mind heavily um, in the last six months. A lot of conviction, a lot of, um, a lot of taking in. Um, if, the, if you think this message should be better because I've had six months to work, you're probably right. <laughs> but, um, guys, I've been guilty of, of just... When I worked at Sutherland's um, in management doing orders, we had a term for guys who would get an order. We did sales-generated orders. And so what would happen is every day you go and you get these orders and... Um, you get here, and this is a, a vendor, and it says, this vendor, you've sold this many. Here's your sales history, and, um, you know, this is where it's at. This is the whole history of it. This is all that is here. This is how many you've sold. This is the months you've sold them in. This is how many a standard pack is. This is how many you have to order to get it on the truck, and uh, you need to sell this. Now, the problem is, I don't know if you know this, but computers, they can reflect the errors of humans, 
<laughs> and so these, these orders aren't exactly spot on, so you have to check them to make sure they're accurate. You have to go through them line by line, and you have to spend time in there and, and looking about what's really going on, and then you have to make changes. But the term that I'm referring to that I want you to get is there's a term called pencil whipping. Anybody familiar with pencil whipping? You know what that is? It's not just in retail orders. It's probably in every profession in life where you just pencil whip a form. That means I looked at it, thought it was good, I did it. It's done, turned in, and I'm happy with the way I did that. And God sat down on me and said, that is what you've done with your prayer life. You have been content to speak to me, the Holy Creator, with words that don't mean anything to you and certainly don't mean anything to me. The people you go to church with could probably recite your prayers because you say habitual words and traditions like I warn you in my scripture not to do, but you do that. And you think that they have meaning to me. Well, can I tell you, son, I want your heart poured out. I want your heart poured out in prayer. And that is why God was able to use Hannah so mightily is because she poured out her heart in prayer. Can I share with you that God uses prayer in our lives to do mighty things? Prayer involves petitions according to needs in our life. If I have a need in my life and I need to tell somebody about it, do I go to them and say, like, hey, i got this need, just catch or flip it? No, it's a huge need. Imagine the needs you have in your life. Prayer involves petitions according to the needs in our lives. Guys, prayer involves expressions of the longings of our hearts. The longings of our hearts. Prayer involves conviction that God hears and responds to our cries. I had to get to the bottom of this for me. If you don't have a vibrant prayer life and a life of prayer that when you ask God to search your heart and am I proud of, am I okay with how my prayer life is before you? And if you're not, what I had to come to the conclusion for me was is that because I didn't really believe God answered them. It was just time to pray because it's time to pray. But you don't understand, Jeremy. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. Oh, I do understand. Search the scriptures where men and women of God prayed and prayed and prayed. But we have to have a conviction that God not only hears our prayers, but responds to them. It's not always yes, by the way. But also, guys, prayers... Prayer involves a devotion of God's gift for God's glory. Why do you want what you're asking for? Bigger question, what are you asking for? What are you going to do with it? We're almost full circle. What are you going to do for Him with it? What do you want with what you're asking? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with Him? For him with it. That's, that's, hmm. maybe that's just for me. Prayer involves devotion of God's gifts for God's glory. Guys, three things real quick and, and we'll be done. But Yeah, I mean, if he says so. I want you to see, first of all, who Hannah's audience was of her prayer. Who was Hannah's audience? Verse 11. Don't go to sleep on me. I'm almost done. It's getting cold in here. It's getting chilly. People are getting sleepy. Uh, I'll, I'll talk louder. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts. Her audience was the Lord of hosts. 
260 times in the Old Testament you hear, O Lord of hosts, all 260 times it means this. Captain of mighty armies. Why did she pray to the Lord of hosts? Because she knew she was under attack by her enemy. O Lord of hosts. Host. She could have prayed to the God of Israel. She could have prayed to all, you name it. She said, oh, Lord of hosts. I don't believe God puts things in his word for our accident. I believe that Hannah was crying out to her God, the Lord over mighty armies, because she felt the attack of the enemy. And she cried out to her defender, the Lord of mighty armies. That lie the devil tells us that you're alone. You're going through something you can't handle. You're going through something that you're not big enough for. You're going through something that's going to crush you, that's going to defeat you. Can I tell you, he's given you a half truth because you're not big enough and you can't handle it. And he may crush you, but Jesus Christ is strong enough for all of it to make you stand under the weight of it. He is our defender. You cannot go through this life alone. It's almost like you need this church body. It's almost like you need what he said you need. You see, God does, God does want you to have the best in life. That's not a wealth, health, and prosperity lie. But the half-truth of that is that there's something in this world that that is pertaining to. God wants the very best for you, and he's it. He's it. God wants you to experience all of him. And the enemy doesn't want that. So the enemy sends you lie after lie after lie after lie. He's not real. He won't do this. He didn't answer my prayer. I love how, I love how Billy Graham answered this. Somebody said, if God is so loving, why is there so much evil in this world? And Billy Graham answered, well, let me tell you something. If there's so much soap, why are there so many stinky people? You have to apply it. You're walking around here, don't have a relationship with God, don't have a a care in the world as to what He has to say with you through His Word. You haven't spent more than five minutes in an hour in in prayer to Him in a single day since you were a little kid in vacation Bible school. You don't know the books of the Bible. You can't quote five verses, and you wonder, where's God's power in my life? You want the best of your life, but you want it in this life. I have bad news for you. God says, y'all give it to you. This will be your reward. But if you want more... Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Guys, Hannah knew her audience was the Lord of hosts. She wasn't praying to the priest. She wasn't praying to anybody who was at the temple. She was praying to the Lord God on high because he alone is the one that could help her and he alone is the one that could help you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your life. I I can't possibly be uh, uh, intertwined with this many lives. I praise God I get to be connected to the few of you that I am in a close and real way, but I know there's major hurt in here. There is major hurt hurt in this room. There always is when humans are around. And can I tell you that God desperately wants to heal you in one way or the other. Guys, He wants that relationship with us. Hannah cried out to her audience. Secondly, we see Hannah cried out with authenticity. Oh my goodness, she cried out with authenticity. Verse 11, and she vowed a vow, said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall be no razor come upon his head. She vowed a vow of great cost. This is like the Old Testament version of would you rather. 
Ladies, would you rather never have a child or would you rather have a child and have to give it up for its whole life at age three? That's what Hannah vowed right here to God. It was a great vow. A lot of people vowed their children to the, to the temple, to the tabernacle, and to the priest. We read that in Leviticus 10. There was a cost that you could come and buy them back out of that vow. In other words, you could let the priest raise them for a while, and then there was age, and you, you gave offerings and sacrifice, and you could get them, you could get them back. It was for their good and for your, your, your good, and, and it, was a, it was a thing. that was, It's in Leviticus chapter 10. Look it up. But, but Hannah didn't want to do that. Hannah said, I'm giving you him for his whole life. Parents, can I just bend your ear for a minute? And if you're not a parent, can I bend your ear for a minute? I heard a man who was a member of a church for some years make this ridiculous statement. I don't want to dedicate my children to the Lord because I don't know what God will do with them. Non-parents, all humans included, I don't want to surrender my life to God because I don't know what He'll do with me. How proud are we that we think we can thwart the plans of Almighty God? That we can stop the conviction of His Spirit. Guys, Hannah's authenticity was that she said, I give, I want to give you my whole, His whole life. He's yours. He's yours. She vowed a vow of great cost. She was transparent, not cautious or guarded. You see, because in 12 and verse 13, we read that the priest's sons were not great men, they were evil. But she didn't make conditions. You know how we do that? I do that. Let me, just, let me just be honest with you. As Roy Prater would say, thank you when you say that. I thought you were lying to me the whole time. <laughs> I make guarded conditions for how I'm going to surrender to God. Well, if the, if the scenario is right, in other words, if, it's a, if it seems on the up and up, then I'll do what you want me to do, God. If everything seems safe. We say, we say things like, I, said, I have said things like this. The, the will of God is the safest place you could possibly be. You ever think about that us American Christians are among the few that actually say that in the world because the rest of the world who name the name of Christ's lives are in very grave danger? Right smack dab in the center of God's will. John the Baptist was right smack dab in the center of God's will while his head got lifted off its shoulders. Polycarp was right smack dab in the center of God's will as his body was burned at the stake. Hannah didn't make conditionary, thank God I'll give you my son as long as you make sure everything's okay. She knew Eli's sons were not good priests. They were sinning against God. They were evil. These were the men that were going to be raising her children at the temple. She knew that, but you know what? She trusted more than that. She trusted God. Quit trying to set the table for perfection. Quit trying to make sure your children don't fail. Can I, I have great news for you. You failed, they will fail. We all fail. Romans 3.23 tells us why, but God is greater than all our failures. Have faith in your audience. Be authentic in your prayer. And then last, we see her awesome God in all of this. If you want to call me on that one and three are actually the same person, I'll give you that. It should be that way. God deserves more glory than we ever do. Amen? Her awesome God. Listen to what happened in verse 17. Verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee the petition that thou hast asked of him. And he said, Let thine handmaid find grace 
in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and countenance was no more sad. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? She, okay, you cried to God. You've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. I've, I've heard many people tell me that. You either pray until the situation changes or you do. Hannah left Eli the priest as barren as she came in. But when she came in, she was of bitterness of heart and she wept sore. And when she left, the Bible tells us here in verse 18 that her countenance was no more sad. You pray to God until he changes the situation or he changes you. That's what God calls us to in our prayer life. Not some habitual line that you can regurgitate every time you're about to eat food, every time you get together with brothers and sisters. Not this prayer that doesn't mean anything more than you have to remember it because you're going to say it. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. Nobody cares about that. Read his word. It's, it's, It's vain words. Pour out your heart to God. Pour out your heart before a holy God. He wants to know what's in there. He wanted to know what was in there with Hannah's. Her awesome God gave her what she requested. Her awesome God gave her exactly what she was looking for and then some. Sometime when you get time, read chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. It's her, it's her song, her prayer song that she sang to the Lord. <laughs> read it, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Make a mark, go back and read it sometime. It's her rejoicing in the Lord for what He has done in her life. And then verse 21 of chapter 2 is the last time Hannah is mentioned in the Word of God. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. He didn't just give her Samuel, but she vowed to him. He gave her five more kids. Guys, it's okay that we don't read about Hannah moving forward. Do you know why? Because this isn't about Hannah any more than it's about me or you. Guys, this life is not mine to live for me. It's to live for Christ. God wants to use you mightily. And He can do it if we'll just pour out our hearts before Him. And ask him. I'm not saying God is going to grant barren women children, but I'm saying he can. I'm not saying God's going to deliver you from this sickness that you have, but I'm saying he can. I'm not telling you God's going to fix every situation that's in your life, but I'm telling you he can. But just a reminder, he didn't give the Apostle Paul what he wanted. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Again, you pray until God changes the situation or you pray until God changes you. Guys, just like this garage sale, just like it, consecration of ourself takes sacrifice of self. It takes sacrifice of self. Getting me out of the way and living my life for a holy God. It takes forgiveness of hurt. Guys, some... Me, 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 for so long would not do what God wanted me to do because I could not forgive. And I'm not saying I've got it nailed down perfect. I never have any problems with forgiveness. I struggle with forgiveness. Why? Because I've got skin on. But guys, if you want to be used of God, but you're harboring great hurt in your life, 
You're going to have a very hard time doing that. It takes forgiveness of hurt. And then last, it takes letting go and letting God have his way in your life. You see, just like our garage sale and how smart it was that us men planned and said, well, I'll buy you something different. You know, you get rid of all this stuff. Can I tell you that God <laughs> says, I have something for you here so much better. I have the best. The best. All you've got to do is Come to me, and I'll get rid of the rest. Come to me, and I'll get rid of all your junk. Aren't you glad we don't have to clean up our lives before we come to him? What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteous, and freedom. My steadfast love my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken, for by my side the Savior He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need his power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me, though the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future, sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released, I can sing, I am free. Yet not I, but Christ in me. With every breath, I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I but Christ in me. Father God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. It brings us these great truths that we are not alone in our fears and in our failures, but God, you desperately want to come to our rescue. God, I pray that there'd be those who would call on you this morning. In the midst of their pain, in the midst of their hurt, that they would simply lay it at your feet. And it doesn't seem that easy, but it is. God, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your, 
your people. And God, I pray today that you have moved hearts that you wanted to move. And God, you give us the courage to respond to you. In Jesus' name I pray.